Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 99. This interview is with Louis-Philippe Morancy, one of the principal investigators on the SimSensei project being run out of USC in California. SimSensei was one of the top 10 award winners at this year's NetExplo Forum in Paris. Louis-Philippe was voted one of the top 10 people to watch in Artificial Intelligence 2008 by IEEE Intelligence Systems, and he's at the forefront of the burgeoning digital health, health tech movement. SimSensei is a software-based virtual psychological counselor. Fascinating frontier. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to quick. Enjoy the show. Here we are live from NetExplo Forum 2014, and one of the top 10 laureates is Louis-Philippe Morancy, all right, from beautiful city of Montréal in Quebec. Oh, well, that's where you're from, of course. Tell us who you are and what you do, Louis-Philippe. I'm a researcher at University of Southern California, originally from Quebec City, effectively, and uh, I work on artificial intelligence, trying to build algorithms and computers that are able to quantify human behavior, human behavior specifically related to distress, depression, and anxiety, and be able to give this information to clinicians. So helping clinicians so that they make more objective diagnostic. All right, so we, in, in, in the business world, we often talk about how over 70% of the message is not in the words that are coming out of my mouth, but from the gestures and all this. Can you confirm, and, and what kind of details or subtleties can you provide to that kind of broad sweeping generalizations that we make? A lot of our work is in nonverbal communication. So the visual aspect, what are the facial expression, what are the body posture, what are the gesture you're making, also the tone of voice, all of this aspect is really important. And it's hard uh, to compare from weeks to weeks. Is this person smiling more than previously? Are they like suddenly uh, more closed in their behaviors? So now what we want to do is effectively, and we observe that people who are depressed often, uh, even if they're depressed and they are recovering, they don't feel internally uh, better. But if you ask their wife and their children, they will be like, oh, he's smiling more, he's more open. So these nonverbal can be predictive of recovery or the other way around can be predictive of a diagnostic of a downward. So so I think it is really interesting. And they, uh, we've seen a lot of it. We've documented it in our research. And now we're building technology that allows for that kind of uh, quantification. Right. Well, so with Sim Sensei, um, the evaluation of the person's movements, their voice, their gestures, to what extent is it actually more about the evolution of the gesture than the one-time reading? Can you get everything out of one-time reading, or do you need to have a, a gap between the first and the second in order to get the better evaluation? So from only one reading, what you get is an indicator. It should complement what's already there on the diagnostic side. Uh, but really, I think the strength of it is, is in multiple reading. But even with the first reading, we get enough information so that you know... Uh, 
uh, what are the likelihood of being depressed or not. But this is really seen as a one-time... It should be seen often with multiple right, reading. But, I mean, but just like in a normal way. I mean, no one's able in one reading a book like a cover really to get somebody. But so it's, it's, that's, I would say that's a normal we're looking, process. We're looking at it as a screening maybe or like early. Like There's a high likelihood, but then a, a clinician should go ahead and confirm everything before uh, being able to diagnose this. Yes. All right, so what are some of the surprises that you've come across as you create this? What are the things you're like, wow, I didn't expect that? Anything comes to mind? Yeah, one, one of, there are two ones. The first one is that uh, we talked a lot about the, the, the nonverbal, but we created a virtual human, so some uh, kind of a virtual interviewer, and we were really wondering, are people going to want to talk to the virtual interviewer or not? And it turned out that people do. They enjoy talking to the virtual interviewer. They, in fact, I think, love it sometimes more than a real human because it has less judgment. Right. And that was a big surprise. Confirmed some of our earlier intuition, but still a big surprise. And the second thing is on the behaviors. We saw that we're able to be so precise that we can recognize behaviors that had never been documented. So mm. people who are depressed often smile as often as non-depressed, right. but their smile are shorter and less amplitude. So we're able to quantify things that had never been observed directly, or at least just qualitatively. So yeah, that were, those were big surprises. I've heard, I read somewhere that there are some huge number of muscles in the face. Mm-hmm. So what, what type, how many factors are you actually judging, whether it's the, you know, the muscles about the eye, around the eye, around the mouth? How many factors go into your algorithm, if you will? Uh, just the face. We're tracking 66 points on the face, extracting from that a large number of emotions and, and facial display. Uh, I think I forgot the exact number, but we're going in the... Uh, 20s in that and then we're looking at gesture body gesture we added another like 10 probably and then the voice analysis has another 8 or 10 so we're looking at uh, probably about 40 to 50 factors or potential factors out of it we determine there's about 10 or 12 of them that have high uh, correlation with depression so out of the 50 we're training we're, we're sensing 10 or 12 are uh, what we're using if I said to you, you are at the front of AI and big data, yeah. is that, would that be a fair, how do, you, how do you receive that? I think it is really interesting to look at big data. Big data is useful the most when you have also some, um, some diagnose with it. So it's harder to get big data with a depression diagnosis. So, but we are able to use big data in our case to make a catalog of all the type of behaviors people are doing in general and make that dictionary. And that's one thing. And then look after that out of this dictionary, which one correlate with depression. Depression. Right. So the big data is extremely important in the first phase of building dictionary or anthology of human comport uh, behaviors. Yeah. And the uh, last part, which is training, looking with uh, behavior, with depression, this is really more uh, a smaller data, mostly because we need uh, a doctor in the loop, sure. and that's really important. And are you particularly focused on depression, or are you, what are the areas you're looking at? I think uh, medical applications like depression, anxiety is really important. One of the 
I didn't talk today, but is suicidal uh, ideations. It's also related to distress. So teenagers with suicidal ideation, what should a clinician do? Should they give uh, uh, should they give uh, therapy to everyone or give put all of them on medication? They're making really hard decisions, clinicians, and a lot of it are on subjective measures. So if we could give them objective measure, at least a little bit more objective, that I think could help them. And then there's the whole aspect of education. I think we're, there's going to be a lot of really interesting work where we have online learning. How do you get students to work together mm-hmm. and collaborate? The whole dictionary of behaviors, we make it a link with medical, but we're also making the link of successful training and successful learning and looking at how people are working together. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at it for education, for the medical application, and also we're looking also for business, even looking at like uh, marketing and things like this. So oh, yeah. being, hey, someone's going to buy. Yeah. Uh, this is not our primary, but this is one of the interesting ones. I bet it is. <laughs> we certainly. Um, the other thing, of course, is that you've, you're based in Los Angeles. You know, I listened to you on stage, of course, and you, you focused on the Los Angeles market, diverse as it might be. How really are we, are we going to have to do verticals on, on each culture, um, women, men, uh, Latinos, or is, or, you know, is it Italians from the north and Italians? I mean, how deep do we have to go, do you think? Uh, this is a big research question. Our first results shows that there is a lot of relative, uh, relative behavior. So if you look absolute, uh, like how many people smile or half, and they, that a lot is cultural specific. But the, when you compare depressed and non-depressed, looking at the relative between the two, we see a lot less cultural ex- uh, influence. And so, but a lot more research is needed to really explore that. But we're seeing that it's, it's a lot more robust to that. Right, so let's... Oh, sorry. No, I would like to talk to two more people. All right, just to finish. Louis-Philippe, I have to cut that out, of course. Uh, Louis-Philippe, coming to NetExplo, what has it meant for you and how do you find this conference different from other conferences? What I loved here is the level of deepness into the technology and at the same time the breadth of uh, the environment. So deep in the sense that some projects where we really understood them, at the same time we got a good overview of what's happening mm-hmm. and what's going on and I think this is like in two days you get a really good understanding or overview of what's happening and that is really important. I, I hope and I think I see that momentum that it goes global and go uh, a lot more into like the other markets like in the US uh, in Asia and all this so I hope it goes forward and it was really interesting experience all right, just uh, how, how do people follow you track you down uh, definitely the best thing is online uh, Louis-Philippe Morancy there's not many of them so it's easy to find me uh, I don't have Twitter but we have a lot of information on our website thanks yes. for coming on the show have a great day yeah. thank you very much thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Internet Show you'll find the show notes on themindset.com where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe if you like the show please rate it in iTunes and don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or to tweet it out. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails.
Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.